When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Orchestra Teacher Podcast. Welcome to the Orchestra Teacher Podcast. Uh, This is our second guest today. Uh, We're talking about uh, hybrid teaching models. Um, We just finished with with the wonderful Sean Morton. And today, right now, we have Scott Laird here from North Carolina. And uh, he's going to be talking to us about what he's working on. And and we're all in kind of different situations. But uh, he had so many great ideas he put up on a blog post um, I wanted to definitely have him back because um, when we had talked at our last podcast episode, we weren't we weren't in this situation. And uh, so, welcome, Scott. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back uh, after. Yeah, I think it's been about six or seven months, and a lot has changed, hasn't it? <laughs> yes, it has. Yes, it has. We are still here. We're still doing this. Um, so uh, would you just uh, like start maybe by reminding um, our audience just about your situation and like your teaching situation and then and then you can get right into like, you know, when the students are coming and when they're not coming and and what you're doing. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I'll jump right into it. So uh, I teach at the North Carolina School of Science and Math, which is one of the 17 constituent institutions of the University of North Carolina. And um, we're the only constituent institution that um, serves really primarily high school students, 11th and 12th graders on our campus. So the way our school works is kids apply during their 10th grade year from all over the state of North Carolina. And if they are accepted, um, they uh, come on a full scholarship for their 11th and 12th grade year. They live there for those two years. So we're a fully residential program. Uh, at our Durham campus, and um, um, and um, those kids uh, that are in the orchestra are a, a, an incredible mix of you know all state caliber uh, students who have many many years of private lessons and youth orchestras around the state and all of that stuff, all the way through the gamut of kids that have maybe played for a couple of years of school lessons or maybe just one year of school lessons and just want to be part of the orchestra community. So. I've got very much a mixed ensemble from a experience and um, and level standpoint, but the the thing that sort of um, is the common denominator is um, um, academic, an interest in academic excellence, and an interest in in, in really strong success. So. Um, uh, uh, it, it is different than a traditional K-12 model. And, and one other thing that makes us a little different is that our electives are pure electives. In other words, they're over and above a full academic load. So to take my orchestra, they're not giving up an academic credit during their school day. It's all outside of that. It's not extracurricular. It is curricular, but it's above a full academic load, which I think is a an important distinction. So lots of lots of kids feel empowered to be in the orchestra without giving up another opportunity. That's fantastic. I think I, I lose a lot of kids because they like, oh, I got to have another AP class. Well, if you have a full load and you could take orchestra two, I, I think I would have even more students. 
for sure. Absolutely. And that's, that's, and that's why it is the way it is. Um, and I, but it, there's also kind of the opposite side of that is we'll, we'll get kids that maybe didn't take orchestra in ninth and 10th grade in high school because they were trying to sort of pad their resume to get into our school. And now they're back into the ensemble. So I, I feel really strongly about building community and welcoming everybody, regardless of how much orchestra they've done. Maybe we get some kids who have only had private lessons. We get some kids that are primarily Suzuki who don't read a whole lot. And then we've got other kids that are just those kind of powerhouse top academic kids that, that we all love to have because they're fun to teach <laughs> in our program. So it's, it's a mix. So I'm going to jump right into my hybrid situation, if that's okay. Um, so the way our school uh, decided to do things, uh, because we are a residential program and, and we care about the residential element of our program, uh, sometime in, frankly, early August, they decided to do what they're calling a low-density model. So we are hybrid teaching. We've got half of our student body or about half the student body has been at our school for the first six weeks of the academic year. We call them cohort A. Cohort B is at home all around North Carolina. And this past week, we had our, quote, fall break. And that was a, a period of transition and sanitizing the dormitory rooms. Our cohort A left and they went home and our cohort B came back. And I would, or, and, and I would say that um, a, some percentage, and I don't know what it is, it's under 10% have opted for a fully virtual experience first semester, and they can make that same decision for second semester. So they're allowed to stay home if they want to. So what, what percentage would you say of your students that you do, that of the of the 100%, what, what would you say you have in your classroom? Uh, I'd say 40 in the room and 60 at home, and now it's flipping, and I'll... I'll know better next week <laughs> when I get back because yeah. some kids are changing. I've seen a number of kids opt to just stay home. Right. Um, okay. So, problem so the mo go ahead. I'm sorry. The problem I'm having, I have, um, I'm going to have about 16% of my kids coming to school. So 26, wow. 26 kids all day. So you're basically teaching virtually with a few in-person kids. Yeah, that's unfortunately, that's what it is, right? Yeah. So, so I, I, ours is not that low. I'd say ours is more, it, it's, uh, um, yeah, it's not that low. So, so uh, here is my hybrid model. We, we took a strong look at it at, before school started and I decided that um, because of the nature of our school, I mean, I'm just getting to know my juniors and, and my syllabus is a little unlike a traditional high school syllabus. If you're working on a block schedule and you have 90 minutes a day or you're, or even a traditional high school schedule of 50 minutes a day, that's really not what we are at our school. We're a sort of what I'd call a pure orchestra in that we are a little more like the small college orchestra model at our school. Um, so our, our syllabus really isn't string techniques class. Our syllabus is repertoire. That's what we do. We, we give concerts. And then I build my, pedagog my pedagogy and my teaching into the class period. But I really don't get you know, much extra time with my students because they're so busy academically in our kind of crazy um, academic environment of our school. I say that crazy with a real smile. We, we love our school. But their priorities, frankly, are elsewhere. And the arts are something that we believe in and the school really supports. But I kind of get my time and I can't add a whole lot over that. Right. So anyway, I've committed strongly to the virtual ensembles at our school. 
Um, I've decided to take a look at my syllabus and try to maintain as much, many elements in my syllabus as I possibly can and sort of throw away the things that I can't, that I can't have. So like the things I can do in a virtual ensemble, we can, we can promote strong rhythm. We can promote intonation. We can promote technique. We can promote, um, uh, dynamics. We can talk about, uh, expressive playing in a, in a, in a metronomic environment. Uh, 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 and, and we can promote community and leadership in lots and lots and lots of ways. What we, what we've, uh, sort of, uh, put aside for the term is, um, watching the conductor. That's, that's going to be off the table right now. Um, visual, um, visual, uh, feedback loop, a feed, Aural and visual feedback loop in the moment in an ensemble is not part of our our our, our uh, curriculum right now. But um, th the new things that we've sort of committed to include playing with a click track. <laughs> I've I've never felt bad about having students play to a metronome, and this is a, a a season in our orchestral life at my school that that becomes a real priority. Um, uh, uh, um, uh, learning some recording technology. Uh, we spent about an hour before we left on fall break where we just sort of stepped back and we said, okay, we've done some really pretty nice things here, but how can we be better? And, and I gave them about an hour on um, how do you get a really good recording? What, what kind of room do we use? What, how far from the instrument? What's the variation that we get on that? What's a micro, what difference does a microphone make? My air conditioning just kicked on. What does that have to do with a recording? Um, stuff like that. And uh, and so that's almost like an engineering element to what we're doing. Um, and eventually I'll, I'll get them um, doing the mix on their own as a project, you know, hearing all of the individual tracks and doing the mix. But all of that stuff has become part of it. So what... So the process that I'm using is I'm, I'm creating guide tracks here in my home studio. Um, I'll, I'll take, um, we just finished, uh, doing fanfare and frippery by, um, Perfect. Richard Stefan. Uh, so I, I have used that piece. It's about a grade four piece. I've used it early in the year uh, many times. I, I really like it. I just think it's really well orchestrated. It's a fun piece and there's lots you can teach in it. Six, eight time, uh, mixed meter in the fanfare and, and it's fairly metronomic has a few tempo changes in there. Um, but the frippery is very metronomic in six, eight times. So, so we just finished uh, doing that. So in my studio at home, I used my NS design electric violin to record, um, audio tracks. I, re I recorded the, um, actually I used, uh, uh, an NS electric bass to record the, the, the baseline first, because when I'm creating them, I always want to build just like we ask students to do, to build from the lower sounds up from an intonation tonal standpoint. And then I, I start building my tracks. I use my electric violin to do cello and viola and violin tracks. I use a five string violin to get the viola parts. And then I use a little octaver function to do the cello tracks. And, um, and I do use a bass guitar for the bass tracks. Cause it, I find that, that, um, transient, the articulation is really helpful, yeah. um, along to a metronome, along to a click track. And then I provide that recording for my students. They uh, practice to the recording in our hybrid setting where I have students in the room and students on Zoom. We use, instead of a conductor, we use the recording as our unifier. Everybody's listening to the recorder. I share the sound of my computer through Zoom. And um, we rehearse in person. 
uh, I have everybody will have a pencil in hand and, and uh, I play along in rehearsal in this environment. So I'm not swinging. I, I feel like swinging the stick is wasted energy. And by the way, I have a, I have a few little nagging conducting injuries and I'm taking this time to get better, <laughs> which has been good for me after about 30 uh, some odd years, 35 years almost of teaching. Uh, this has been a nice little break on, on some of my um, repetitive stress injuries that I've developed over the years. Uh, I'm a little embarrassed to admit, but I've, I've, one thing I've learned over this uh, time is that other conductors have the same problem. And I, I I had never really spoken about my repetitive stress injuries. I'm sure I overconducted early in my career. Um, and um, yeah, I just hurt myself, you know, and, um, and I've tried to refine my technique over the years and I hope it's, it's in a better place now, but man, uh, sometimes I just hurt after a rehearsal, you know? So anyway, uh, we use that guide as our, as our um, common framework and kids play at home. They play at, at, at school together. So we hear it in the room at school and it feels good. Mm -hmm. And then I give feedback uh, based on my, playing along with my group too. Cause I'm feeling, Oh, that's a low two. Uh, yeah, I don't use the word low two, by the way, that's a C natural. <laughs> and so, you know, or, or that's a one, two finger pattern or whatever it might be um, for everyone, have them write down. Or if there's a, a dynamic marking or a phrase marking that I want them to accentuate or, you know, I'll deal with, I, Lately, for some of my more advanced students, we've been dealing with uh, vibrato speed on sustained notes. And I don't get as much oral feedback in the moment from the kids, but I can estimate based on years of experience what's probably happening. You definitely know what they're doing wrong uh, at home or what, they're, what, what pitfalls there are going to be. Absolutely. Uh, question, do you uh, have any, do you make multiple versions for your students to like uh, with different tempos? You done any of that? Boy, that's a that's a great question. Uh, I I just I haven't, but I have to, and and so um, yeah, so I'm about to start doing that because that's been a problem. We have an iPad. Um, I use the software called AnyTune Pro, and uh, it's free to download, but to export different uh, files, I think it's maybe like five bucks, but it's so worth it. So I can take my audio track that I make because I'm I'm doing a, some similar things, Scott. Um, audio click track that I make and I can airdrop it to my iPad, open it with AnyTune Pro. And I actually use that for playback because you can put little marks in and things. And then um, you can actually speed up and slow down the tempo like a lot. So I'll do, I'll set it to 70% and then export that as a 70% version. And I give them an 80% version, a 90% version, a 100% version um, or any other variables that I want. And then, so I'm, I'm, when I give them a file, I'm giving them like four. four yeah. We're going to start on the slow one because not everybody can um, get it at the right, at the tempo, the concert tempo right away. So that's been really helpful for me. So I know you're a Mac guy. I'm a, I'm a PC guy. And I just, I was just looking at my phone. I made a note uh, just a couple of days ago. I read, uh, uh, you know, we're all getting information from Facebook every day or online. And someone was posting about um, uh, a, another software platform called the Amazing Slowdowner. Yeah. Very similar. And Product. Yeah. And, and I, I made a note. I want to buy it on Monday that it, it, just yesterday I was looking at something. So I'm, I, one thing that I really want your audience to know is I'm doing what you guys are doing. I'm, I'm looking for the best of the information that's out there. And even, even this old dog is trying to, trying to get some new tricks that um, make things more effective for my students. I will say we had, we had a, a, our first quote performance and I'm happy to share 
one of these files with you if you want to link it to the podcast. But we gave our first performance uh, maybe two weeks ago for our family day. And it was, I had used, uh, I, I hope this is uh, okay to say, I had used uh, a couple of the chorales from Chris Selby's uh, Habits of the Successful String uh, uh, um, Musicians um, warm-up book as our first virtual ensemble projects. Great. And um, and um, I thought they were very successful. Um, and for me, those were great because we could do them in a fairly metronomical sense. They're short. They're like 16 bars. So I started the year short, sweet, metronomical. And we did, we actually did four of them for our family day. And we, um, we created a YouTube video that's actually on my NCSSM fine arts YouTube page that included, um, uh, visual arts from our art department. Um, it was about a 25 minute, um, presentation with, um, the four chorales that the orchestra did. It had a wonderful arrangement of our alma mater from our chorale. It had a wind ensemble piece on it. It had a, an original sort of pop piece by a couple of my kids and some jazz. So it was just sort of um, a, a hodgepodge of student performances awesome. and the visual arts as the, as what we were seeing on the video. And um, it was the first half hour of our family day as people were coming into zoom. And I, I the response was just incredibly positive. That is amazing. That sounds great. Uh, just the collaborativeness of it. And, um, like the diversity and the type of music you guys did. And I love it. I love that idea. Um, and as I, I, as I'm recording these and I recorded, uh, Sean this morning, I, I was like, Oh, I'm doing that. And now I'm going <laughs> to take your idea and do some of that too. So I think our, I think for the, for the next one we do, I'm, I'm going to do, um, I want to do photographs of my students, um, both playing their instrument and doing other activities. So to sort of uh, uh, accentuate the diversity of their interests. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of thinking along those lines. I, I intend to eventually get to some kind of video offerings, but I, I, I think we I think we talked about this the last time, but I can't remember. One thing I definitely learned through the spring was that there is really a wide range of comfort in video. Some kids very comfortable. Some kids are like, no way. Uh, I'm out at that point. The beauty of audio files is that the, the, the weaker players don't get called out ever, you know, or even a mistake that comes in on an audio file is easily kind of hidden. Uh, I, look, it's not it's not an authentic orchestra performance, but it's pretty close. It's, I, I use the word facsimile a lot, <laughs> you know? And um, so it, it, it does kind of audio only protects kids, I think. Oh, yeah, I agree. And then you're doing, so the videos that you made just had your audio tracks over other photographs and things like that. Okay. Right. And then, and, and because the visual art department, I'm fine arts chair at my school. So I'm, I'm trying to think globally, but, the deal is that the, the visual arts department never gets that kind of platform. Right. And we get it all the time in music. So when I called up my photography teacher and my, my painting and drawing teacher and said, hey, can you provide me some images for this thing? They get, I, I had over 300 images that were created by current students within 48 hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
because they had them already and and they were thrilled to have the the platform and i found the response from families at the school of science and math was so generous because they because they're going wow the families that are involved in the arts they have no idea what we're doing and the families that are involved in the arts sometimes feel a little left out. I got to share one thing that we're doing that I think your listeners might really enjoy. My choral director had this idea. At family day, when we met with all the parents, he said, uh, how would you guys like to do this? And so we're sending an opportunity out to all parents to sing on a virtual ensemble performance that we're going to put together um, um, uh, strings, band, and our chorus along with a parent chorus and let them try their hand at what we're doing so they can feel how a hard it is, but how fulfilling it is to hear it after you hear it all put together. That's amazing. I love that idea. I love that idea. I was thrilled with it. I think we need to, uh, I think everybody needs to collaborate more. And, you know, uh, for me, at least I've really felt lonely. I felt alone, you know, especially on the days when we have the asynchronous days and it's just me and, my microphone and nobody's in the room, but I'm trying to get excited and trying to get all hyped up. And it just would be nice to be able to collaborate a little bit more and, and do some of those uh, different idea, activities. And ideas. I'd like to share another collaboration that's happening with you. It's just a really special thing. Uh, in February for Valentine's Day, my wife and I uh, landed in uh, New York and went to see Wicked, the Broadway show. And uh, uh I had forgotten that a former student of mine is the woodwind doubler in the pit for Wicked and has been for 15 years. So when we were there, I I had posted something on Facebook and a colleague of mine from, this was from a school in Pennsylvania. And um, a colleague of mine from that school texted me and said, you know, Chad is in the the pit. He's been there for years. So I texted that former student and we were having dinner across the street from the show. And he, he landed, he came over and we had dinner together between his shows, which was really cool. So over the course of the spring, he was writing some music and he approached me in the summer and he said, Hey Scott, I wrote this piece for, um, for full orchestra. It's a, it's a, a little symphony suite and um, probably about, five to seven minutes long. And he said, how would your group like to do the premiere of this virtually? So we're now that we're sort of into our routine of the virtual ensemble, we're preparing to do that piece as one of our pieces that we're doing. And he joined us on a Zoom call, uh, actually from California. Uh, He also is the uh, woodwind doubler for um, all of the big band stuff on Family Guy and American Dad. Way wow, yeah. So he was out at a recording session in California and joined our kids and got and he told all about his life as a professional musician in New York and out in LA. And um, it was an amazing um opportunity for just my kids to ask him questions and kind of participate in what's really been a, a cool career and and a really special relationship that I have with him. I mean. I was a very young teacher when I had him in middle school. <laughs> you know? uh, it's amazing when, when you have students that just go on and do all these great things. I have uh, one of my former uh, violin players that I taught middle school in Las Vegas is now the violinist with Rod Stewart. How cool. Yeah, oh. that's amazing. 
supposed to go to his concert here in um, in August, and uh, she was going to get us tickets and everything. And I, I, you know, it's but uh, obviously that's not happening. So when it does happen, I'm looking really looking forward to to that you know meetup, and it's just great to to be able to keep in touch with people, and you know, even no matter what they're doing, it's it's just awesome to see your former students. That's why we do what we do, I think. Well, and then when we can pull them in with uh, with our students, then it becomes even more special. I want to share one other thing that 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 I, that had an incredible impact. In, um, that was part of this hybrid model. So I I, um, I had to miss a rehearsal because um, my son's a senior in high school and has been um, doing some college visits this fall. And um, so we're planning on doing at least one movement of Donzas to Panama by William Grant Still. And so for one of my classes, uh, when I was going to be out, I had my students in a, in a, in a um, asynchronous way, listen to the Afro-American symphony and a, a really cool interview I found on YouTube with, with um, the composer. So they could hear his voice and they could hear his priorities and they could hear his music. And then they wrote um, a, a thoughtful response on what they heard based on what they had learned. And um, I heard from students across the state, like how much that meant to them. I was shocked at how many of my students were not aware of William Grant still, first of all. So that was a great benefit. But also just to, to maybe step back in my class, which is really a performance class, right? And to offer some historical perspective, some um, uh, cultural perspective, and, and to have them... Um, have a real uh, purposeful opportunity to articulate their thoughts in writing, which is always a good thing. So that's another little uh, uh, happy surprise and bonus that's happened as a result of this. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so like, how, how do you say that your students are holding up through this? Like, you know, what, what, how are they in class? How are the kids at home? What, do you, what, what are the vibes that you're getting? So first of all, uh, uh, the great benefit of my school for students is community. I mean, when they come from a lot of students, you know, they come from all over the state. And I think many of our students would say when they arrive at our school, they, they find their, their, their peers, their people, the people that think like them. And um, some uh, very frequently kids who feel a little bit alienated, maybe in their own community, uh, come to our community and they find people that are like them. And that's an awesome thing. And so that, that, um, that um, uh, feeling of unity and community uh, is uh, with half the student body there and masks and a lot of iso even social isolation while they're there. And I would say our community is being very careful. I'm, I've been shocked at how healthy our community has remained through this model. Cause I, I was very skeptical coming in and um, everyone's pretty committed. No, a hundred percent committed to masks and, distancing. And believe me, I have done a lot of research on practice rooms and on yeah. uh, classrooms and we all have. And um, so we've been really happy with the health situation at the school, but it's, it's not the same, but I, I've, I've found my students to be incredibly positive, incredibly resilient, incredibly supportive of me in, in a trying to figure this out. Um, I've, I've been writing a lot of college recommendations this week. Maybe, maybe your listeners all have, and you have, I'll bet. 
to do today and tomorrow? <laughs> so, you know, in this environment, I'll t- it's been different for me. I, I took uh, like a half an hour to an hour with each student that I'm writing for. And I interviewed them and I, I told them, you know, what I was planning to say and asked them how that resonated with them. And then what did I miss? And what are you interested in? And we've had these kind of really uh, long form interviews that have been for me amazing. And um, I've started this, I'll share this too. I, I have started writing recommendations with my dictation software. Thoughts are so much smoother and articulate rather than because I'm spending so much time on my computer. I, I'm, uh, my, my arms tend to hurt a little bit and I just, I'm slower. I need more time. So this is, and then I go back and I edit later, but I'm able to dictate into my phone, even, you know, sitting on my back porch and it's, it's been really a fun thing. And I have found that recommendations have flowed much, uh, in a, in a, in a much more smooth and, and, um, articulate way for me, given the interviews and given this has been a, a really great year for that for me as well. And I, and, and the things I've been able to say about kids who are taking leadership roles from across the state of North Carolina have been really, really fun to be able to articulate. Absolutely. That's great. That's great. I love that idea. Um, yeah. Anything to save time and to make it better, you know, uh, certainly wonderful, wonderful. Uh, and then how would you say that like you're holding up, you know, I mean, we, we all, like I was saying in, my, in, in the last, uh, discussion with Sean, we're all going through lots of different, you know, mental states and, and what's going on. How, how are you holding up? If you don't mind sharing. I don't mind sharing at all. Um, I want to, I want to answer thoughtfully. I, first of all, everybody that knows me knows I'm a, I'm an optimist. I'm a, I'm a happy and optimistic person. And I, and I try to see the best in everything. Uh, I, I'm, fortunate that I do go to work, which is I'm not stuck in my house all day, every day. Um, My oldest son is a first year string teacher in a neighboring school district. And he has articulated to me how, how closed in he feels. He's in an apartment, he's in a one bedroom apartment teaching all day, every day. And that's a a tough thing. I think for him, I go back and forth to work. I, I feel like I'm, I'm not putting my health at risk early in the year. I had a lot of stress about that, but I've, I've grown to be pretty, pretty comfortable with the way my life, the rhythm of my life has gone. But I think like everybody, I, I think for me, when I feel it the most is honestly after work. Um, this weekend is a good example. You know, Friday night came and went and my wife and I sort of looked at each other and, and said, do you want to, do you want to try to do something? Do you want to go out and I don't want to have a mask on on Friday night or Saturday night. I I don't want to I don't want to feel uh, uncomfortable sitting at a table at a restaurant or something like that. It, um, so we have opted for our backyard uh, and our back porch and campfires and taking the TV outside and and just being our own little cohort. And um, but I think making that decision, which is typically always what we make, is always painful for me because I, I am social and I want to get together with friends. Right. And um, that, that's when I, that's when I think I feel like a little down. Uh, um, the, the work environment for me has been pretty great. And honestly, we've got two uh, brand new music instructors at my school 
uh, a new choral director, a new wind ensemble director. And so I feel such a strong responsibility as, as the, as the, as the department chair to, to be there with them there on campus as well. And to be there and to help them troubleshoot and navigate an, an, a new yet odd environment is, um, you know, there, there's so many hurdles to overcome for them as new employees. And if I can be a, um, just a, just a little bastion of knowledge and, and uh, experience in their experienced teachers, but just experience at the institution for them. I, I feel a great responsibility for that. And as a result, a lot of fulfillment in the role, you know, I'm, I'm, I really, I, I feel like, um, and I, and I also, I, I want to say this, I've gotten, and I bet you have too, and lots of your listeners have, I've gotten so much positive back from my kid, from my students mm-hmm. that, um, there've been a lot of days that, that maybe I've maybe been trending down a little bit and the kids say, thank you on their way out of zoom, which freaks me out. I, I, it, it's so nice. And, and um, I, a well-placed note here or there has been really important to me. Yeah. It, it makes all the difference. And uh, uh, we're, we're kind of feeling the same. I'm getting the same thing from, you know, just even the principal a little bit, there's been more recognition and um, just our department as a, as a whole, like we're really kind of pulling together as much as we can. And, you know, we got a good group chat going. And so we have a lot of fun with that and, um, you know, venting to each other and then pumping each other up. And it's been really nice, really helpful. But I agree. I, I miss the social part of life, um, you know, not being able to go to Midwest this year or ASTA. It's, it's, uh, it takes its toll, you know, so. Um, I, I will say that I have, um, for, for, for the first time in my uh professional career, I have, um, I've turned down some things that just because I, I just can't envision the screen time, more screen time. And I'm not saying that I've turned down everything, but just yeah. some things that maybe just don't fit right in my, um, slot of expertise. Um, I've, and actually, I think I recommended you for something <laughs> just, just just recent recently because because um, when when opportunities to teach maybe a professional development um, lesson of, of some sort, if I don't feel like my ideas are going to hit squarely for the people that that need or want that, then then I can I'm better off not spending the screen time or the or, or the time as well. So. Um, uh, and that's okay. I, th- I think I think we've all become a little bit more discerning in this environment. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, these are uh, your ideas have been great, and um, just uh, your attitude, and and uh, of course, you know, like like you had said about yourself. But I agree, uh, you're always the optimist. You're always looking for um, you know solutions and not looking at the problems. You know, and that's um, that's really really important. Uh, but there's a lot of it just going through different things. And um, I think uh, the more perspectives we can have uh, and different ideas and put forth and go forward, um, it's going to help us all. And, uh, you know, we all just have to realize that we're kind of in a, in a very similar boat and, you know, there are differences of course, but um, you know, it's the last couple of weeks for me have been really rough. And uh, mainly because I just, I, I look at my lists of students and I see how few are coming back and I'm, I'm at the, you know, 16% kind of thing, um, under 20% of my students coming back. And that's, that's hard for me. And, you yes. know, without a giant program that, that makes my classes really small. And, and uh, I just, you know, we're all missing the way it was. Yes. Uh, but, but I do think that this will help foster a uh, greater appreciation for um, coming to school. And then uh, your, your students probably appreciate it more than the average 
the average student because they're they're getting a full scholarship and they've worked their tails off to get into that school. But um, it, it's definitely I think we'll hear less of the uh, the eight thirty blues from from the kids. Uh, you know, having to get up early now. Um, I, I know that I know that people say this and and we hear it a lot. But I but we have to remind each other that this season is less about content. I mean, it's really about relationships and caring about kids. And I think those kids' voices, the students' voice must be heard as frequently as possible, even if it's over a remote setting. I think they're, um, they're, they're, um, they, they need to be seen. And, um, and we, and it's, it's less about how good the recording is or how good their left hand position is i mean that's important that's the those that's the vehicle that gets us all together but but in the end i think it's uh about reminding uh our students and each other about the power of music and the power of ensemble i i I speak about that a lot um in a variety of places but ensemble is so strong it's it's what i love about music to be honest and um, we just have to remind each other, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again for uh, coming on the show. Uh, you, like I said, this little update has been amazing. And, uh, and I, I know it'll be very well received because there's so many people that are interested in, in uh, learning more about hybrid and just seeing what other people are doing. So I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Charles. It's great to be here. It's great to see you too. Thanks. Looking forward to hopefully seeing you a little bit in person uh, next weekend, if possible. You're gonna—I know your son uh, is gonna be here for a baseball tournament down in Atlanta, so it'll be great. Thank you. I can't wait to come down and see my friends. <laughs> uh, next uh, up, we have uh, Mr. David Metrio. We'll be starting with that in just a little bit. So stay tuned. <laughs> 